today's message. Uh, this is the last message in the series we've called Only God. We've been kind of talking about the things uh, only God can do. I, I've noticed that everybody likes a good finish. How, how many of you like a good finish, right? Yes? How, how many of you didn't raise your hand because you're lying? No, right? Okay, all right, still don't catch you. Everybody likes a good finish. I can remember my wife and I years ago went and saw a movie, and it was one of the best movies we saw until the last 20 seconds, the way it ended, like the main character that was supposed to have, end up with a good life died, and it ended on his tombstone. And I was so mad that I wanted a refund. I thought, this is dumb. I don't want this. I don't come here to have greater doses of reality. I come to the theater to get away from reality. I don't want to hear all that, the main character dying. We like, we like good finishes. In fact, even the best efforts shrink when there's not a good finish. Maybe you remember a few years ago when the New England Patriots were undefeated going into the Super Bowl and were threatening the Miami Dolphins, you're a football fan, threatening the Miami Dolphins' record of an undefeated season. And uh, maybe you'll remember this one catch that uh, 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 the receiver did. Remember this? How many remember that catch? Remember that? The Giants, Eli Manning goes back, throws a pass, and this kept the drive alive. They ended up scoring, and the New England Patriots' season was ruined because they lost the Super Bowl. So what? You won every game, you lost the Super Bowl. And if you're a basketball fan, maybe you saw last year that the Golden State Warriors set a new record. They beat Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls' old record of a, uh, how many losses you have in a season. They had 73 wins. And it was the greatest regular season in NBA basketball history. And it's all we would be talking about in basketball today if it weren't for these guys right here. Take a look at the next picture. Roll that. Right there. There it is. If it wasn't for those guys. Because when they got into the championship, LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers beat their eyes out. And so you had a great season. Matter of fact, you had a better season than anybody's ever had. You just didn't finish. And it looks like that um, the Chicago Cubs are well on their way to not finishing. Like, any Cubs fans here? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not looking good, is it? It's just not looking good. Looks like they're on, well on their way to not finish. But I did find a good finish that I wanted to show you. Maybe you remember, it's from the Olympics. Uh, I've got a short little video to show you this incredible finish. You might remember, uh, some of you won't be old enough to remember, but some of you will. Go ahead and uh, play the video. Thank you. 
remember that story. Derek Redmond, wasn't that cool? <laughs> Olympic, Olympic runner who had trained to be in the race, blew out a hamstring in the middle and couldn't finish. But his dad came out of the stands, threw off security, and came and put his arm around his son and finished the race. He didn't win, but he did finish. He didn't win, but he did finish. The other people I showed you won, they just didn't finish. We've been talking about the things that only God can do. We've said only God calls us for his purposes. Only God redeems. Only God heals. Today, only God finishes. Only God finishes. Now, we've been finding these only God things in the life of Joseph in the last 14 chapters of the book of Genesis. So if you want to turn to Genesis with me, we'll be looking at a few verses there. But just to, just to recap a little bit, and if you haven't been here for the uh, earlier parts of the series, to, to sort of give you the context of Joseph's life, let me, let me just summarize quickly where he is so you'll understand uh, the, the thought that only God finishes. Joseph was 17 years old. He had a lot of older brothers. He was the baby of the family. He uh, was his dad's favorite. God gave Joseph a dream that his older brothers and his mom and dad were going to kneel down, bow down in front of him. This enraged his older brothers so much that they nearly killed him. But at the last minute, they changed their mind, sold him into slavery. For 13 years, Joseph lives as a slave or as a prisoner. And the likelihood that this dream that God gave him, <laughs> that his family would bow down to him, would ever come true looked like zero. It looked like he was further away from it than, than he could be. But God is the best finisher. So this morning what I want to do is give you a few examples from Joseph's life of the things that God finished, and then we'll, then we'll pull some thoughts and reflections out of that. Let me give you a few examples. First off, Joseph has this dream that his family's going to bow down to him. He doesn't know when. He doesn't know how. He doesn't even know why. He just has this random dream that your mom and dad, and they're going to do this, and your brothers, and he has no idea why. He doesn't know when it's going to happen. He doesn't know how it's going to happen. 21 years after Joseph has this dream, the dream comes true. Joseph's family comes to Egypt. Then they go back and forth a few times. Then the whole family is regathered into Egypt over time during a famine. And the family comes and they're submitted under Joseph's authority. And this opens the door for forgiveness. It opens the door for reconciliation and healing. And the provision that Joseph's family needs to survive a brutal famine. And, and if we see in that scenario how what God started at 17 years old in Joseph's life, he finishes later in his life. Now, there may be some things you've been waiting for God to do. Some of you may have been waiting for God to save or rescue one of your adult children or one of your teenagers or save your spouse or do some work inside your life. Maybe you've been waiting on God to give provision that you've needed or to give a job that you needed or heal your body or change circumstances in your life. I just want to encourage you today from Joseph's life and say to you, God's not done working because he's the best finisher. So let me give you a couple more examples. Joseph's dad, Jacob. Jacob hears 
that Joseph is alive in Egypt, and the brothers say, now he's only going to help us if you come down to Egypt with us. And, and Jacob is very resistant to this idea. He doesn't want to go to Egypt at all. And the only way you can understand why he doesn't want to go to Egypt is understand how important the land was that they lived on at the time. See, God had given Jacob's family this land, and God had made a promise to Jacob's family, I'm giving you this land, and from this land, you will become a great nation. You will become a, a powerful, a mighty, and a great nation uh, called Israel. And this is the early chapters of human history. You're in the book of Genesis. So there's not, you know, the population of the world is not that large at this time. The population of his family is very, very small. And so for Jacob to leave the land feels like I'm turning my back on God's promise. That's what it feels like. That's why he didn't want to do it. But it was the right thing to do. So God gave him a vision in Genesis 46, 3 and 4. Jacob's wrestling on whether he's going to go down to uh, uh, Egypt or not. And God says this to him. I'm God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you. I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to finish what I started, and I'm going to go with you. These are, some, these are some pretty good promises God's making. And I will surely bring you back again, and Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. That's very important. Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. The last time Jacob saw Joseph was when he was sent out to check on his brothers, and the last thing that he heard is a wild animal had mauled his 17-year-old son and killed him. And all these years he thought he was dead. He hasn't laid eyes on him in years and years and years. And now God is saying to him, you go to Egypt and Joseph is going to close your eyes when you die. And guess who was standing in the room with Jacob when he died? Joseph. And you know why? Because God is the best finisher. God finishes what he starts. Now, maybe you're at a place in your life where a door has opened to you. Or maybe you're at a place in your life where you know the right thing to do, but you've been hesitating to do it. And I want to encourage you this morning, when you know the right thing to do, when God opens the door, even though there might be some internal conflict, it's, if it's God's way, he will go with you and he will finish what he started. Even if it feels like you're going the opposite direction from the way you should go to make it all work. Another example. Years after this uh, moment, Joseph dies. Joseph lived to be 110 years old. And Joseph died. And it, just before Joseph dies, he has a very unusual request. Something that you, you don't hear people say. Joseph has been blessed in Egypt. Although he's a Jew and a foreigner, he's second in command. He's the prince of Egypt now. Although he took on Egyptian dress and Egyptian customs, his heart has never changed. He remembered God's plan. He remembered the land that God had given his people to make them a great nation. And his heart still belonged there. Look at Genesis 50, 24. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. But God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear on oath and said, God will surely come to your aid 
and then here's the strange request, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. You must carry my bones up from this place. That's a big deal because it's referenced again later in the Old Testament, and it's referenced again in Hebrews chapter 11. So what do you think happened? 400 years after Joseph died, Moses takes Joseph's bones and he hauls them back to the land that God gave Joseph's family to become a great nation. And do you know why all that happened? Because God is the best finisher. You can look in Exodus 13 and you can see uh, how, how that happened in Moses' life. Only God finishes. Now, maybe in your own life, you've hit a wall in your ability to do what you used to do. In Joseph's life, his wall was he's about to die. I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm going to die. And so I can't continue to provide for you. I can't continue to shelter you from famine. I can't continue to use my authority in the palace as the prince of Egypt to leverage for my family or for Israel or for the prom. I can't do anything else because I've hit a wall. Maybe you've hit a wall in your economy. Maybe you've hit a wall in your job. Maybe you've hit a wall in your own health. Maybe you've hit a wall in your age and you're not able to continue on in the same way that you used to be. But here's what Joseph learned, and here's what you and I can learn. Stay faithful to God and trust Him to continue the work He started without you. Trust Him to finish the work He started without you. Because His work continues with us or without us. Here's the last one. God made a promise to Joseph's great, great grandfather. So now think about what we're saying here. God makes, gives Joseph a dream, and in 21 years it's fulfilled. God gives his father a vision to go to Egypt, and I'll bring you back, and he did. God uses the circumstances 400 years after Joseph's dead to take his bones back to the land that God had given his family. Now watch this. God made a promise to Joseph's great-great-grandfather. Who was that? Abraham? Abraham's son was Isaac. Isaac's son was Jacob. Jacob's son was Joseph. His great-grandfather, God made a promise to Abraham that he would make him a great nation. How many of you, uh, when you were a kid, you did uh, vacation Bible school? You did kids camp? How, how, many of you, how many of you did that? Okay, so all right, so most of you got this. How many of you remember singing this song? Father Abraham had many sons. Remember that? <laughs> many sons had father. You know, there's a lot of reasons we did that song. One was to try to get the energy out of them wiggly little bodies. It really helped. But you remember that song? That's what this is. This is Father Abraham. That's where it came from. God said to Abraham, look up Abraham, if you can count the stars in the sky, you can count how many descendants you're going to have. If you can count how many stars there are there, you're going to see how many relatives you're going to have. Now, now, now that's phenomenal. This promise, this family had been holding on to this promise for generations. And so far, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. 
And so far, this promise of God has only produced 70 people. Seven, zero people. Not so great of a nation, hardly even a great youth group. Four generations in. But remember, only God finishes. Abraham and Sarah were in their 90s when God fulfilled his promise to them to have a child. And they had a baby in their 90s. God gives Jacob a vision to go to Egypt and so his family can survive. God gives uh, Joseph a dream and he becomes second in command of Egypt to preserve this little band of 70 people who are carrying in their DNA the promise of God. Now what can we learn this morning about God's ability to finish? If you have something to write with, I encourage you to take a few notes. What can we learn about God's ability to finish? Number one, promises are greater than dreams. Promises are greater than dreams. Before Joseph had a dream, his great-grandfather had a promise. Promises are greater than dreams. Dreams are shadows of promises. They're brighter. They sparkle. They flicker in the night. They grab our attention. They make us look. Ooh, what was that? Did you see that? That's a, ooh, that's a dream. Dreams encourage you about the promises. They're like still shots from a movie reel. They just give you a little bit. Joseph started with a dream and ended with a promise. A vision may take a few years. A dream may take a lifetime. But God's promises are eternal. And He will work on them with or without us before our lifetime, through our lifetime, and after our lifetime because He is a covenant God of generations. Dig deeper into the visions that God has given you. The visions, the plans, the dreams, the ideas. Get in there behind them. And when you dig in there behind them, what you will find fueling them are the promises of God. Don't anchor to the dream. Don't anchor to the vision because you will try to engineer it and make it come to pass. Put your anchor in the promise of God and He will make it come to pass. And He will even lead you in ways that seem contrary to it ever happening. But He'll make it happen. Because he is the promise giver. Number two, we don't know the whole story because we haven't lived all of our life yet. <laughs> it doesn't matter how old you are. You haven't finished your life because you're still alive. So we don't know the whole story because we haven't lived all our life. There had to be times that Joseph was wasting away in prison thinking everyone who should have treated me good has treated me bad and I'm sure that's just how my life is going to end up. If you have enough bad news, you'll get to the point that you start to expect bad news. How many of you have ever been there? Well, it's just the way my life goes. You know, you having a bad day? No, no, I'm having a bad life. No, it's terrible. Terrible things have happened. 
and terrible things are going to happen. And I'm not saying that lightly. I've had those thoughts. Of course, of course. Why? Why would anything good happen? And you can expect, Beth, on the other hand, if you've had a lot of good news, you tend to expect only good news and take credit for it. Well, with my talent or ability or godliness or, you know, whatever, and we get sucked into this uh, weak theology that if we're a good little boy or a good little girl, that God's going to make our life turn out exactly the way we wanted, that God's job's actually to fulfill all of our dreams. And we have entire movements that have been made on that idea. Because that's just the way God works. If you're faithful to God and if you're honest and if you tell the truth and you pay your taxes and you do people right, then God's going to bless you beyond your wildest imagination. And, and when we're in this mode, we only expect good news. And when we receive bad news, it practically wrecks our faith. It'll just about shatter it. Because our concept of God is too small and pigeonholed to a rosy utopia. And when that shattered, our God dies. Because we got the wrong God. We don't have the real God. Maybe you've heard this story about a guy who was uh, in, a, in a flood area. You know, we see this on the news all the time where it'll rain and rain or a hurricane will come through and a river will burst its uh, borders and just pour through a little town and that was happening the water was rising and so the guy uh, got outside and climbed up on his roof and he's sitting there on his roof waiting to be rescued and he's praying saying God rescue me and a guy comes by in a boat and he says hey hey man jump in I'll rescue you he said no 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 the Lord's gonna rescue me so the water comes up to his toes he's on the peak of the roof now Another boat comes by. Hey, jump in the boat. I'll rescue you. No, 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 no. God's going to rescue me. Then the water gets all the way up to his chest, then to his throat. And the helicopter bah, 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 comes flying over, drops the ladder down. Hey, grab the ladder. I'll pull you up and I'll rescue you. No, 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 no. God's going to rescue me. Water goes over his head. He drowns and he dies. He goes to heaven. He comes walking into heaven still wet. Shoes squeaking. Marches right up to God and he says, what's wrong with you? I thought you were going to rescue me. He said, what are you talking about? I sent two boats and a helicopter. Why didn't you get in? Your expectation of God can cause you to miss your ride. What you expect does have an impact on your faith. It does affect it. So don't marry your faith to an expectation of all good news or an expectation of all bad news. Set your faith on a God who is present and working whether the news is good or the news is bad. And then your faith will not be shaken. Then you are free to disconnect from the circumstances and walk your faith out in peace and freedom and power. Live like you know God, not like you know the future. You might want to write that down. Live like you know God, not like you know the future. And then the future becomes less important. And knowing God becomes incredibly important.
Here's the, here's the third thought. You don't know the whole story because the whole story is bigger than our life. Now, do you remember the promise God gave to Abraham to make him a great nation? And Abraham was Joseph's great-grandfather, but Joseph wasn't the one who carried the promised bloodline. It was actually Joseph's brother, Judah. God used Joseph to preserve the promise, but not to carry it. Fourteen chapters of Genesis are given to Joseph. You and I are tempted to think that somehow he is the guy, the one, the dude, the person that God is using most powerfully. But he didn't carry the promise. Judah did, and from Judah came King David and Jesus. Now, now why does that matter? In the grand scheme of things, Joseph is really a side story. We're tempted to believe that he's the center of it. And Judah was probably tempted to believe that Joseph was the main thing. Judah, his brother, probably thought sometimes, hey, Joseph's the guy. He's the prince of Egypt. <laughs> He's wildly successful. He's wealthy. He has all this authority. He has all this power. Don't we still tend to think that way? We think the one who's got the most money or the one who's got the most talent or the one who's got the most uh, authority or position, the one who's got the most power is the one that God is using the most powerfully. Is it, don't we still believe that? We still think that way, don't we? That's what Judah thought. Isn't it just like God, though, to use a teenage sheep herder to become the king of Israel? Isn't it just like God to use a, a very unpopular, no fame at all, no fortune at all, little teenage girl in a stuck-off village that nobody hardly knew where it was to be the mother of Jesus? Isn't it just like God to use a poor farmer who almost starved to death, who isn't even the firstborn, but is the brother of the prince of Egypt, and we don't even know much about his life. Isn't it just like God to use him to, to carry the promise to the next generation? You and I do not understand the significance of our own lives. It's impossible for you and I to know the significance of our own lives. Because we don't have perspective. We don't have eternal perspective. We only have perspective. Of, we don't even have a lifetime of perspective. Most of us are struggling to get a week's worth of perspective. God's got all perspective. And he knows the significance of our life. We don't realize how critical the decisions are that we make and how long-lasting the effects are. We must follow a God who knows the whole story because only God can finish your life the way it needs to be finished. Only he can do it. Now here's the last one. We don't know the whole story because the whole story is longer than our life. One of the reasons we like TV shows and movies is because they present a problem, they build the tension till you think your eyes are going to blow out, and then they resolve it neatly near the end of the show with a little hook to make you watch the sequel. Right? Isn't that pretty much how TV and movies go? And we like that because it's all neatly wrapped up 
within a setting, within a session, within a time period. And we tend to be that way with our own lives, you know. If we can't get this tension resolved by the end of today, let's at least get it resolved by the end of our life. <laughs> As if that's all the time there is. What's time to God? He's got all the time there is. God operates across generations before our life and during our life and after our life. Generations after God gave the promise to Abraham, he finished it. After Abraham died, after Joseph died, and after Joseph's children had died, God finished the promise. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, 22, remember, you got 70 people. <laughs> That's all you got. It's a little youth group. Deuteronomy 10.22 says, Your ancestors who went down into Egypt were 70 in all, and now the Lord God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. Just like he said he would. Because God is the best finisher. What, what credentials does God have to offer to say to you and to me, trust me and believe me because I will finish what I started in your life. What credentials does he have? Well, maybe you remember when Jesus was suffering on the cross. He said several significant things before he died. The last thing he said before he died is an interesting phrase. He said, it is finished. Now, that's an interesting phrase because in English, it's three words. In Greek, it's one word. It's not three words. It is finished. In Greek, it's only one word. And here's what it means. It means the work is finished, but the results continue. <laughs> it means Jesus has met every requirement. He has, he has sufficiently and comprehensively paid the price for all. For sin and all of sin's consequences. But the results of that finished work keep on going and going and going and going. Because new people are born. That was 2,000 years ago. And new people are born and come into the earth, come into a broken, sin-filled world. And the results of the cross just keep working their way through our soul throughout our entire lifetimes. It is finished and it continues to be finished every time we participate in the life that God gives us. It's finished are the promises of Abraham's life and Jesus' finished work of his fathers on the cross. And he'll finish his work in your life. There's an interesting verse in, uh, that I want to end with. In Philippians chapter 1, uh, Paul is writing. And I want to read it out of the message because the language is so alive. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, we've been talking about dreams and visions and promises. Let me give you a promise that God has given to you. And this promise you can hold on to just as Abraham could count on God and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Judah and King David 
and Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Jesus and Paul and Timothy. Just as they could all count on God to finish what he started, you can count on it. Here's the promise. There's never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. I want to read, read that one more time. There's never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day that Christ Jesus appears. This morning as we uh, go to prayer, I want to talk to you a minute about your faith. Because I believe that the challenge in, in successfully moving through this life is, has everything to do with your faith. This life will beat your faith to death. <laughs> I find it so interesting, Paul the Apostle, when in, uh, we did a, a series in August called Made for More, and we looked at the last writings of Paul to Timothy when Paul was in jail. And he was going to die, he was going to leave the world, and he knew this was the last communication he'd have. And in the last chapter of the last book that Paul ever wrote, he said, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I've kept the faith. Now it's fascinating to me that the greatest apostle, as far as I know, we have 2,000 years of history to look back over it now, the greatest apostle that ever lived considered victory keeping his faith. Because this life will beat your faith to death. <laughs> and so sometimes life's not about seeing the result that you think you need to see. Sometimes life is about whether you make it out of it with your faith or not. Keeping your faith. Paul said, hey, I've been in prison, I've been shipwrecked, I've been beaten, I've been persecuted, I've been, I'm in jail now, and he's gonna die lonely and in prison. That can work on your faith. And he said, but you know what? I finished my race and I kept my faith. And so it's not about whether you end in prison or not. And it's not whether you're able to dodge all of the bad things that can happen to you in life or not. That's not the thing. The thing is, can you finish with your faith? And the truth is, only God can help you do that. You and I can't finish with faith because we're determined, because we try hard. We can only finish with our faith because we depend on God, because He's the one that gives us faith. So this morning as we pray, I want to um, pray with you about your faith. I, I wondered as I was writing this sermon, um, how many of you in this room are in a spot in your life and you say, man, I've got something in my life and I need God to finish it. Like there's something I'm right in the middle of. There's something I'm right in, the, you know, 
I'm in mid-stride on this thing. And man, there's, there's something. It's, it might be a loved one who you've been praying who would come to faith. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a marriage that's broken. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a circumstance. Maybe it's sickness. You say, I need God to finish this work he's doing in my life. Today, if you need God to finish something, I want you to, I want you to come for prayer. Today, maybe you're here and you say, you know what? God's been working in my life, I think. But if I'm honest with you, I'm pretty disengaged. I'm not really engaged with what he's been doing. And to be honest, I can't tell you anything he's been doing. I haven't seen it. I haven't noticed it. It seems like it's been quiet. I don't hear anything. I don't see anything. Uh, To be honest, I've been kind of on the sideline. And I've just disengaged. I sort of go through the motions. But I've disengaged. And and this morning, I want to pray with you. And I want you to re-engage. I think the Holy Spirit is talking to you specifically. And I think He's inviting you specifically into re-engagement. That today's the day and now's the time. And it's time to re-engage and let Him strengthen your faith. And and here's what I've been been praying this all morning. And I'm going to keep praying it for you. I think what God's going to do when you re-engage Him is, is you're going to begin to see, even in the moment you do it, you're going to begin to see circumstances in your life that you have dismissed as coincidental. And you're going to begin to say, wait a minute, God did that. This is, a, this is a time where God wants to minister to your faith. And He wants to open the eyes of your heart that you might see. That you might begin to see how active He's been in your life, but you haven't seen it because you've been disengaged. And if you'll engage this morning, if you'll just respond, what what the Holy Spirit's going to do is He's going to begin to put memories and pictures in your mind where you say, oh, oh, God did that. I, I, I didn't see that, but now I see it. If you're here today and you're struggling with your faith because you've been entertaining questions like, if God is good, why, why did this happen to me? If God is good, why hasn't he worked this out yet? If God is all-powerful, why didn't he stop this from happening? If God is real, why don't I feel anything? If God knows everything, why won't he tell me what I'm supposed to do about this situation or next? If God is working, why is my family so far away from him? If you've been entertaining questions like that, I think God out of his own goodness today just wants to minister to you and strengthen your faith. Want you to keep your faith, strengthen your faith, add to your faith, renew your faith, refresh your faith so that you believe. So that you believe. Would you stand with me this morning? And I want to ask our prayer team if you'll come. Every eye closed. Would you just find a place you can stand comfortably? And what I just want to do this morning is give you an opportunity to respond. With no one looking around, just shut yourself in right there where you are and just give God a chance to talk to you, minister to you. If you say today, you know, the truth is, I'm, I need God to finish something in my life. 
Would you just lift your hand and say, that's me. I need God to finish something in my life. He started something. Just lift your hand up. That's me. I need God to finish something. Yes. I need God to finish something in my life. He started something and I need him to finish it. I need him to finish it. Maybe this morning you say, I've disengaged. But this morning I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to re-engage because I think that's what God wants me to do. I'm going to re-engage this morning. Would you lift your hand and say, hey, I need prayer today because I'm going to re-engage. Would you lift your hand up? Lift your hand up. Anywhere in the building, lift your hand up. Let me see it. Let me see it. I'm going to re-engage today. Yeah. Just lift it up. Thank you. Yes. Just lift it up. I'm going to re-engage. If you're here this morning and you say, if I'm honest, I need help. I need God to strengthen my faith because I've been struggling. Man, I've had those questions. I know how that feels. I've had them. And I need God to strengthen my faith today, minister to my faith, to refresh my faith, to renew my faith, to add to my faith. Would you lift your hand and say, I need prayer today. I need God to touch my faith. I need God to minister to my faith. Yep, yes, yes. It's okay. You're in a safe place. Nobody's going to judge you here. (laughs) Nobody's going to judge you here. I need God to help me with my faith. I'm going to begin to pray, and as I do, if you lifted your hand, I want you to come. Lord, I thank you this morning for your grace, and I pray for those who are struggling with their faith, for those who are struggling to see you finish. Lord, for those who are struggling to believe you. Lord, for those who say, I've been disengaged, but Lord, I, I've, I'm, I haven't seen your work in my life. God, I pray right now by your Spirit that you would begin to bring Uh, memories and pictures you'd begin to renew and refresh faith if you lifted your hand I want you to come right now I want you to come right now Lord I pray today that you would minister to our faith in this room there's no more important ministry in this moment than that our faith grows that our faith expands that our faith strengthens and God I pray today you would minister to our faith minister to our faith like only you can like only you can Lord like only you can Lord, we love you today. Minister to our faith. Lord, begin to resolve some of those tensions. God, strengthen our belief in you. Lord, I pray right now that you would bring memories that help us to see how you've been more involved in our life than we thought. Man, as that that comes to you, as that memory comes to you, all I want you to do is lift your hand and say, thank you, God. That's all I want you to do. You don't have to move. You don't have to go anywhere. I just want you to lift a hand and say, thank you, God. Thank you that you brought that memory to my mind. I, didn't, I forgot that that's what you did. I forgot that that's how you worked in my life. I forgot that that's what you said. I forgot about your promise. I forgot about your word. But, Lord, there you are, and you did it. And I thank you for it this morning. Just lift a little hand and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you today. Thank you today for talking to me. Thank you for engaging me. Thank you for ministering to me this morning. Thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Just a minute. Worship team, go ahead and lead us. 
Just let the Lord talk to you. And he's, he's speaking this morning. Just respond to him in your own way. Just respond to him. Just respond to him.